Amen. Amen. Book of Malachi, chapter number three, and verse number eight. A very familiar passage of scripture we have probably quoted nearly most every service as we've taken up our offering and, and tithing. And we have scripture for taking tithe and offering. But uh, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In, tithe, in tithes and offerings was the response of the Lord. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. And verse number 10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And then we're going to jump a couple more times to the book of Exodus. That would be uh, one of the uh, first few books of the Bible. The book of Exodus, chapter number 20, and verse 15. More words on the screen. This is a commandment that God gave to Moses. Exodus, chapter 20, verse number 15. Thou shalt not steal. Very simple. Verse number 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And one more time, we're going to jump over to the book of Luke, chapter number 16. And this will be our final scripture we read in your hearing tonight. This is in the New Testament, the book of Luke, chapter number 16, and verse number 11. And it reads like this. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the righteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? And I'm just going to talk for a few moments tonight on dominion through tithing. Amen. Dominion through tithing. Amen. Why don't we set our Bibles down? Let's ask the Lord to help us. Amen. To keep our attention tonight and that God would give us wisdom and grace tonight. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in this place tonight. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your presence. God, there is nobody like you in all the world. I thank you tonight for everything. And I'm asking you, Lord, that you would anoint me. I'm asking you tonight that you would anoint every heart. Anoint every mind that we would be able to receive your word. God, I pray that you would use me as the vessel of God. Use your church, Lord, as we move from this place tonight, God. And we we go home following this service. Use us, God, to be vessels in your hands tonight. And we'll not fail to give you glory and honor. Everyone say in Jesus' name. One more time, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. I'm going to need a volunteer tonight, somebody that has a little bit of cash on them. Anybody bring a greenback, paper bill, some money on them? You want to volunteer? We got one back here. Just give me whatever, what's something you got. 
No, maybe, maybe not. But you know, if I if I asked her, you know what, Brooke, would you help me pick up some trash after church tonight? She would probably feel like, you know what, I probably should because he just gave me ten dollars. He just gave me ten dollars. I didn't even do anything for it. I just got it. I just received it because I was a good girl. So what do you think happens? Now let's let's swap this around a little bit. Right now, Brooke has $10 in her possession. And what's your net worth, Brooke? She probably doesn't know the answer to that. Not a whole lot. Unless mom and dad got millions and we don't know about it. But let's say Brooke said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to give $10 to Brother Paul. Brother Paul's got a little bit more money, it's safe to say, than Brooke. If, in that specific relationship example, Brother Paul says, wow, you, you're giving me $10? I don't need the $10. I, I have plenty of $10 bills in my wallet, my bank. Uh, I'm going to get more $10 bills next week when I get paid. Brother Paul would receive, if... Uh, in this specific example, he might receive that $10. But you know what? Paul, Brother Paul's probably going to be looking for a way to give somebody back to her because you know what? You could probably benefit from it more than Brother Paul could. And a lot of times we 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 don't fully grasp the concept of, of giving and tithe and offering to the Lord. We think, well, man, I, I'm, I'm really giving him a whole lot when I'm giving him my tithe, when I'm giving him my offering. I'm really breaking the bank for Jesus tonight because the, the pastor's preaching about tithe. And so here I am going to give my $10 or $100 tithe unto the Lord. The God of heavens. The God that owns everything. The God, the Bible says, that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah. He, owns, he owns the gold, the silver, everything is his. And, and us and our little estate, our little uh, world, we, we say, you know what, God, we're talking about tithe. I'm going to give my tithe to the Lord. I'm going to give an offering to the Lord. I'm going to give something to the Lord. Are we, uh, when it comes to tithe, the Bible says that the tithe is the Lord's. It's like the, the transaction with Sister Monica a few moments ago. That that was already hers. Uh, when I gave, when I quote unquote gave it back to her, I wasn't really giving it back. I wasn't really giving her something she didn't have before, but I was giving something that was already hers, giving it back to hers. Giving it back to her. And with the relationship with the transaction of tithing, it's already his in the very beginning. The Lord, it's already his. And he's already, He's just uh, put it within our disposal for us to be good stewards of the tithing. And God is saying, you know what? I'm going to put it in your hands. And I'm going to trust that you're going to manage this. And you're going you're to give that tithing, that, that 10%, that $5 bill back to me. And if you really want to go a little bit above and beyond, uh, then we're going to talk about offering and what that looks like. And, and the offering example that I use here tonight is with me and Brooke tonight. Or with Brooke and Brother Paul tonight. And, and you begin to give something. Uh, you, go, you go above and beyond the tithing. And suddenly the, the, the transaction relationship begins to change. Because now the God of heaven says, man, Brother Nathan, he, he doesn't have as much as I got. I got all the gold and silver. But he's going to give an offering to me. And so I'm going to make sure that I, I give it back to him above and beyond. And that's where the Bible begins to talk about pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Because in the end of it all, 
God will be indebted to nobody. God's not going to allow you or I to stand before him on judgment day and say, God, I gave you tithe, I gave you offering, I gave you all these things. And you never gave back into my life. It's not tonight a dollar for a dollar. We're not preaching. You give a $10 bill and God's going to give you $10 right back into your account. We're not preaching that. But there's, a, there's an element of, you know what, our Heavenly Father wants to have that trust relationship with us. If he can entrust us with some finances and he knows that we're going to give back to him, we're going to we're going to give that tithing, we're going to go above and beyond and give an offering. God's going to provide for us. God's going to make a way for us. In in a, another example, let's say tonight uh, let's say tonight Brooke would have here $10 and say, "You know, I'm going to give it to my dad." <laughs> Brother Miguel says, Amen. <laughs> you know what? Uh, probably Brother Miguel, in, in the goodness of his heart, and I'll butter him up a little bit tonight. He might say to Brooke, You know, honey, I, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to give that back to you. I appreciate you giving it to me, but I'm going to give it back to you. That's a, that's a father child, father daughter relationship. And the Bible says that we are children of the king when we come into his family. Uh, how much more our Heavenly Father, when we're given of our tithe and of our offering, does He look down on that relationship and say, you know what, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to prosper my people. I'm going to switch gears for a moment tonight, but uh, we're going to talk about dominion through giving. And along the way, we're going to even touch upon the dreaded subject of taxes. And I've thought about a. Uh, Illustration how we can show that. Uh, but how many in this place tonight like to pay taxes? <laughs> Sister Raina loves to pay taxes. She's a socialist to the core. I want our taxes to go up higher. We want to be taxed at 90%. Nobody in their right mind says, tax me more, USA. Tax me more, Uncle Sam. How many in here have heard of taxes? And can tell us, and I'm looking for a little bit of participation. How many here in this place have heard of taxes and can tell us what they are and more importantly, what they mean? Anybody? I'm looking for a volunteer. What are taxes and what does it mean to be taxed? Sister Raina. Um, money that goes to the government or whatever needs that local community may need or that state or the country such as schooling and education uh, the roads interpretation etc that's what it is yeah what does it mean now what does it mean it, comes out of your check. it means everybody pays a little bit what, what, what's the idea behind taxes I'm talking like down to the core of what taxes is about it's not a penalty. <laughs> we feel like that. A tax is defined as a sum of money demanded demanded by a government for its support or for its specific services that's uh, levied upon people's incomes, their property, and their sales. That's what it is. And Sister Raina said that in a nutshell as well. But here's what it means. The power to tax 
is the claim of ownership and control over man and his possessions. What taxes means is it is it is a claim of ownership and control over man, his possessions. And this claim of ownership is the claim of sovereignty. You take that to its extreme and you say, you know what? Uh, let's talk about property taxes. That car that you you think you own or that house you think you own, Brother Miguel? Try stop paying property taxes. What does the government do? They'll come in. After a while, they'll take your house. They're claiming ownership. You try to stop paying uh, taxes of any kind, the government will claim ownership. You you pay your tithe, uh, and you do that to keep that relationship good with the government. Uh, today, the property tax is, in effect, a rent for the use of our land, if you think about it. The state has the right or the power of confiscation uh, to confiscate for non-payment and also the right of that word that the property developers like. It's called eminent domain. You think you own that property, the government has their right at any time to come and say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to bulldoze your house because we want to put a freeway through here. And you're thinking, well, I own this place. No, the, the, it's... it's the tax is nearly a rent on the use of the land. If a man refuses to pay the tax required by the state, the state can deny the individual the use of his property and at times his life and liberty. You can go to jail for not paying your taxes. <laughs> and this, I'm, not, I'm not a representative of the IRS type. I'm, just, I'm trying to set a foundation. Taxation is the means by which the state claims prior ownership and control over all that a man has. Taxation is always the cl- a claim of ownership. Taxation is a claim of ownership. You ain't going to buy that, that, that nice purse, Serenity, if you don't pay the sales tax on that purse. You, you, you don't just go into a car dealership and, and buy that car for what the sticker value is. You have to pay a tax or you ain't taking that car home. That it's, it's a claim of ownership. And God does recognize, unfortunately, God does recognize man's laws of taxation. Because in the book of Mark chapter 12 and verse number 17, the Lord says those famous words, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. That's apostrophe S, that's possessive. Render to Caesar that which is Caesar, and render to God that which is God's. A lot of times, we we are, if we're not careful, we we can we can uh, just hear the first part of Jesus' words: "Render to Caesar that which is Caesar's," and we become very uh, good citizens, and, and we're proud of ourselves, and we're current with our taxes, and everything looks good. But when it comes to the second part of that that uh, words, the words that Jesus said to God, the things that are God's, we begin to say, "Well, well." I don't know if there's enforcement on that part of the proposition or if there's enforcement on that part of the commandment. Romans chapter 13, 1 and 2 talks about uh, the powers that be are ordained of God. And whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. God has placed different things into uh, our world tonight that we might be able, uh, that his, his gospel might be facilitated through being carried throughout this world. 
and and the taxes that we have to pay and, and all of these different things that we're talking about tonight. Uh, we have to abide by those powers that be. And by obedience to the state, here we go, by obedience to the state, we demonstrate that we are not an enemy of the state. Because you begin to hold, withhold your taxes. You begin to withhold paying your property taxes, withhold paying taxes, and suddenly you become an enemy. Because this person does not want to submit to the government's rule. The principle is that government is ordained by God to establish his purpose in the earth and in history. And so talking about taxes and how that works tonight. I'm looking for Corday. Is Corday here? Corday, I want I want to use you. I love Corday. Corday, would you help me? Would you help me tonight, Corday? I want you to stand right here on the, on the platform. Just stand right there, face the audience. All right, Corday. You help me? See, she's gonna help. Come on up here. Just just walk around the front here. And, and, and drop some tissues all over the place. Just walk walk around the front. Not, not all, just just maybe about ten. A few more. How about some over here, bro? On this side. Alright. Thank that's good. Thank you, Brooke. You can put that that one back down there. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna try to explain a little bit what taxes are like. To someone even like this young man right here. Now, Corday, this, this example could fail right now if Corday doesn't really help me. But if you would help me, Corday, and you would pick up these pieces of tissue, I'm going to give you this bag of sweet tarts. There's about almost 20 here. Would you do that for me? Sure. I'm going to give you this whole bag. So he's going to, he's going to help me here. <laughs> All right, let's put our hands together for Corday. All right, Corday. So put your hand down. Here, here's, a, here's some sweet tarts. I'm going to squeeze them all out here into your hand. Make sure we don't drop any, all right? All right, I want you to count how many you got there. Count how many you got up there. You got one, two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have some fun tonight. <laughs> 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 How about a helper, Brooke? Help, come up here, not me again. Take the put some, put some in your hands. You, you count what's in your hands, and he'll count what's in his hands. All right. Let's figure how much we got here. All right. You count this. You count that. How many you got? Ten. Eleven. Okay. Now put them all back. So you got twenty-one, right? Yes. There's what taxes is. You you work you work for those sweet tarts, right? Did you not you picked up all this tissue? You got 21. Now I want you to give me six of them back. You gotta pay your taxes. That's only state. Alright. How many got left? Fourteen. All right, that was just federal. I want you to give me three more for the state. Three more for the state tax. 
One, two, three. Now, let's say, just in case you get injured, I have to take care of you. I want, to give you, I want you to give me two more for, for the uh, Medicare tax. Nope. He's pulling that I said, man, this ain't fun no more. That's how you pay taxes. Okay? And I need about one more for when you retire. We got we to cover you for Social Security, okay? So how many you got left? Nine. That's 50%. That's more than 50% taxes. In the real world. That's what taxes is like. That's California. Okay? So now you, you got all that in your hand there. Okay? Does that seem so so what really happened when I when I gave you my when I quote unquote gave you the candy? I still had some ownership there. Because I can tell you what, what I wanted from that, and that was the taxes. Okay? Right? I just gave you, I gave you candy because you worked for it, and then I said, you know what, I want all this. And that, that was me asserting my ownership. You know what, that, I really own all that. Right? That's what it is. That's, that's taxation. That's ownership. But now, you know, you, you from the, we put it all back in your hands. And when you, after you first worked for all that, all that income right there, your candy, you picked up all these issues. If the first thing you did was you got 21, you give me, you give me, give me three. We'll call it tithing off. Give me three. One, two, three. Now all of a sudden, because you gave your tithe first, you fell into a, you fell under a different umbrella of authority. You fell under God's law. And now you may still have to pay more money in tithe, but now all of a sudden you got the umbrella of God's authority saying, you know what, I'm going to look after this. Even if he's got six left over, God's saying, okay, I'm going to bless that. I'm going to prosper that. I'm going to probably put some back into your, 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 your possession there. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know what, if you get over here and you uh, have Brother Noah, he's going to show you to my, my desk. And the top drawer, there's there's some more candy there. Who gives some more candy? Don't eat in church now. But go, go and go over here. Follow Brother Noah. This is what happens a lot of times when we, we say, you know what, man, I just, I, I gave God my tithe, and I got this little bit left over, but suddenly God begins to lead us. And God gives us some wisdom, and God gives us some direction. And now Brother Noah here places in his hands some airheads and some nerves. That he didn't know was available before. You can shut the door now. Come on. Have a seat. But you see what happens is, is, is it may look like in the very beginning, man, this is hard. The government's taking all of my all of my, my money through, through taxes and through regulation, all these different things, and I'm under their control. But if I will first give to God that which is God's, Suddenly, he, suddenly there's a friend that begins to work in Courtney's life or begins to work in your life and God begins to direct you and God begins to bless you and God begins to prosper you and things that you didn't know were available, God begins to make available to you. I know people in my life that have been at jobs and, and this is an example I've used before. I know of an individual that as God has blessed him, he works amongst doctors, physicists and, and all these scientists and he got he has no education, no formal education uh, and yet, in the in the midst of layoffs, in the midst of cost cutting, and all of these things that happen in the corporate world, 
Amen. They are fiery. They fire the physicists. They lay them off and they let go of the doctors. But because this particular friend of mine is faithful in giving, faithful in tithe, faithful in offering, God blesses him and God promotes him and God prospers him. And so even in the midst of uh, situations that don't, they're not looking like they're in your favor. If you will make sure that you're giving to him first what is his, God will look out for you. God will provide and God will make a way. There's no telling the things that God can do amen, to the person, to the individual that says, God, I want to come under the law of God. I want to live according to a higher standard of living. I want to live according to your word tonight. And that's what happens. Say, so, you know, I don't, my, my tithe is not going to make a big difference to the church. It's not going to make a big, a big difference. It's you determining who is Lord, who is master in your life. It's you and I determining, you know what? He's in control of my life. And no matter what happens with governments, with employers, with situations in life, I'm going to make sure that I'm doing my part with him and I'm rendering to God that which is his. The question, the tenth part is the increase. Annually arising from the profits of land stock allotted to the clergy for their support. The tithe is God's tax for the use of the earth. The tithe is God's tax for the use of the earth. It is not a gift to God. Our tithing is not a gift to God. When we give, uh, when, we, when, we, when we pay our tithe, if you will, uh, we're not giving a gift to the Lord. We're just saying, God, this is this is yours. And, I, and you said the 10% from the top would be yours, the, the first fruits. And only when giving exceeds the 10% is it called a gift and a free will offering, according to Deuteronomy 16, 10 through 11, Exodus 36 and 7, and Leviticus 22 and 21. But the question then becomes, if God requires us to follow the ordinances of men, be it... Uh, government taxation, then shouldn't he also require us to follow his kingdom ordinances? If God says render to Caesar that which is Caesar's and to God that which is God, if, if God is, if he is legitimizing the governments of this world and saying those are the powers that be, then God is also able to require us to follow a higher kingdom. Yeah. Amen. Because I am not part of this world. I am just a pilgrim that is passing through this land. And he's my king. And he's my Lord. And he's my God. And his kingdom is higher. Citizens of the kingdom pay its taxes. Outlaws do not pay its taxes. If Caesar is our king, we meet Caesar's demands for conscience sake. But we first... Of all, give to the Lord that which he requires so that his kingdom may prevail. We cannot, we cannot have God's order and kingdom and blessing in our lives except in God's way. If you as if we as citizens here in the United States say, I'm going to stop paying my taxes. You're not going to enjoy all the privileges and all of the, uh, the blessings that come with being in America. You're going to find the full weight of the government coming upon you. And 
If we want to have God's order in our lives, if we want to have God's order in our finances, if we want to have God's kingdom come in our lives and His blessing upon our lives, then it will only come when we do things His way. I want somebody to stand and read Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. If anybody has it, the first one to read, to get it, stand up and read Philippians chapter 2, 9 through 11. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Don't read it from the screen. Find it in your Bible, on your phone, something. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. First one to read it. Go. <laughs> Work for God. Also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. <clears throat> and that every time you should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Lord. Jesus Christ is what? Is Lord. What does Lord mean? Ruler. Ruler. Master. One day every one of us is going to proclaim those words. Whether we live like it here on earth or not. But the fact of the matter is. Thank you sister Andrea. Uh, every knee will bow. Every tongue is going to confess that he's Lord. The legal principle of God as Lord. Requires that the believer think. And act in harmony with God's. Revelation of himself to man and God's law or God's word is God's revelation of himself to man. This means that man is neither uh, to think nor act apart from the word of God. If he's going to be, if he truly is Lord and he really is Lord, uh, it's better if we recognize that right now while we are here on this earth, while we are here on this planet, and we live our lives in such a way that we're saying, God, you are Lord of everything. Amen. If, they, if I would, amen. I, the, the scripture says that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord of what? Lord of everything. He's got everything under control. Amen. He wants to be Lord of all of our lives, every area of our lives. He wants to be Lord of our minds, Lord of our finances, Lord of our relationships, Lord of our time, in every department, in every area of our lives. He wants you and I to know that if we'll make Him Lord of everything, amen, then God will bless everything in our lives and God will have His hand in our lives and we will experience order and peace and contentment and righteous pain. Amen. And He's Lord of everything. But as long as we live our lives in such a way that we're saying, God, you can't be Lord of my finances. God, you can't be Lord of my of my time that I spend at home. God, you know, I don't want you to be Lord of my relationships. God begins to pull back and say, then you do it yourself. But one day we're all going to recognize whether we believe it or not that he is Lord. God created man in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and 26 through 28. God created man to have what? Dominion. And what is dominion? It is the power of governing and controlling. God created man, Adam and Eve to have dominion over all the earth. Everything would be at their disposal as long as they live their lives in accordance to the word of God. But the very moment that Adam said, you know what, uh, I'm just going to ignore the laws of God. I'm going to ignore the, the command of the Lord. When, when Adam began to ignore uh, and to uh, disobey the commandment of the Lord, the law of God, 
Surely that dominion was taken away from him. But as long as Adam had to, had a, a right relationship with God, as long as Adam talked with God, as long as Adam was living in accordance to the word of God, Adam had dominion over all nature. And he could walk up to that, that four-legged beast with the wild hair and say, you're going to be called a lion. You're going to, this, this tall uh, four-legged beast with a long neck and spots, he said, you're going to be called a giraffe. And on down the line, and, and Adam began to exercise dominion and authority over everything. And he began to name things and as long as he had the relationship with him and God just right as long as Adam was in obedience to the laws of God God said to Adam you can have dominion over everything you got complete control over everything and I want to tell you tonight as we begin to obey the laws of God as we begin to sing I'm going to I'm going to obey the commandment of the Lord and I'm going to live my life in such a way that he's Lord of my finances Lord of my relationships, Lord of my time, Lord over my mind, Lord over everything. We begin to live in such a way that we are in obedience to his laws. And God says, you're doing things the right way. I'm going to give you dominion. I'm going to begin to reveal to Corday where the airhead is, where the nerds are. He's going to begin to find out things in this place he didn't know existed. Because he's, he just he did what he's supposed to do. And it's the same thing in our lives. When, when we're faithful in our tithe and our offering, God is saying, I'm going to look out for this group of people. I'm going to prosper you. Even when it seems like things come against you, I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to perform miracles on your behalf. I'm going to give you dominion over everything in your world. I'm going to give you dominion. And so everybody else could be facing a layoff on your job. And God could promote you because you are living by a high law. And God is master. God is Lord. He's in control. In having dominion or to rule and reign, man could only rule over himself and creation. If he conformed himself to the laws that ruled over creation. This dominion meant that man had to be obedient to every word of God because every word of God was a law that ruled over creation. He is the chief lawgiver. Jesus, God, is the chief lawgiver. And in order for man to develop both his and the earth's potential, uh, mankind had to continue to think in conformity to the laws of God. And we're talking about tithing tonight. When I when I give when I pay my tithe, Amen. I'm saying, God, you're you're in control of my finances, and that's going to begin to take a real effect when something happens in my life. And I know that you know probably in a, by the end of the year, I've been talking to my boss. He said, you know what? By the end of the year, this, this company's going to shut down. We're going to be out of work. If you stick around till the end, you're going to get a little bit of a retention bonus. But still. I'm going to be without a job soon. I'm not worried. I'm planning. I'm getting ready. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be, get, be able to stand before the Lord in a time of prayer and say, God, I've been faithful with my time. I've been faithful with my offerings, God. I've made sure that you're Lord, you're master over my, my finances. And now, God, I'm asking you to provide for me and to make a way for me and to see me through. And God has and God will continue to do that for my life. 
Because in spite of it all, he's able. He's able. He's able. When I first came out here, my wife and I had to, to take the church and pastor. Many of you know, I lost my job. And my, but my job gave me three months severance, and I was very thankful. That was income. Those months of severance, that was income. I could have used the excuse, well, you know what? Uh, I better not pay my tithe to the church. I still pay my tithe to Abundant Life Center. I could have used the excuse, well, you know, I better hold off on giving my tithe because uh, I don't know how long, uh, what's going to happen after the severance ends. But I said, you know what? I'm going to keep giving my tithe. I'm going to keep giving an offering. Because no matter who says what, God's in control. Right. Yes. And wouldn't you know that it was just a, a short while, a short while later from the initial losing that job that I had, that God gave me a, a job close to the home. Almost immediately after it ended, because He's in control. And if I recognize that, that he's Lord and if I live my life in such a way, you know, people can say, you know what? I live on a limited income. I, I can't afford to give my tithe. You can't afford not to give your tithe. You don't know what you're missing out on by not giving your tithe, by not giving it to the Lord. You don't know all the blessings that are untold. Even if you would just say, God, I want a limited income, but I'm going to give unto you. God can give unto you from directions you didn't know were available. God can provide for you beyond your wildest imaginations. So what does the tithing do? We talked tonight, you know, it's a, it's really a, in, in many ways a tax on the use of this earth, uh, of being here in this land. Uh, but what does it really do? It is... Number one, it is an admission that the earth is the Lord's. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world's and they that dwell therein. It is coming into agreement with that scripture in Psalms that the earth is the Lord's. It's all his anyways. And if I'll just give to the Lord, amen, I'm just going to acknowledge right here that God, you're the absolute owner of everything in my life. When men forsake God's laws and his sovereign claim as Lord of the earth, they reap cursings from him. What belongs to God must be rendered to God. And to be blessed by the Lord, we must obey the Lord. I want his blessings upon my life. I want to be blessed the Lord. I may never be rich or wealthy. I may never be a philanthropist that has the ability to just give away millions and millions of dollars and still not affect my, my bank account. I may never be there, but I want you to know I want to be blessed beyond measure. Amen. I think that sometimes the blessings of God, amen, you cannot measure. You cannot measure the blessings of God. You cannot measure his blessings. Another thing that tithing accomplishes is tithing is able to make a free society possible. If every true Christian tithe, amen, there could be built vast numbers of new churches, Christian schools, Christian colleges that would counter socialism by Christian reconstruction. Amen. If you don't know anything about history in America, most of the first colleges were built by churches. They were Christian in nature. Amen. I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot that could be accomplished when God's people get together and say, I'm going to, I'm going to live by a higher set of laws. I'm going to give unto the Lord. I'm going to give tithe and offering. And I'm going to watch God, amen, bring his kingdom to this earth. Tithing is the financial means 
the financial basis of reconstruction. Tithing restores power to the little man. You say, you know, I can't compete with Michael Bloomberg. You guys know who Michael Bloomberg is? He's a very wealthy guy in New York. I can't compete with uh, uh, Carlos Slim. I can't compete with Bill Gates. I can't compete with Jeff Bezos. None of those guys. But what happens when a, a lot of God's people begin to get together and say, we're just going to we're going to do our part and we're going to be faithful with tithe and offering. There's power that is possessed. When God's people get together, a thousand little men can tithe who tithe can far outweigh the rich man. They can keep a Christian cause from being dominated by a handful of evil people. What is the objective of tithing? And we're, we're coming to a close. The objective of tithing is that, that God might bless the work of the tithe payers' hands. And I want to live in accordance to God's word in, in my life. I want God to bless my hands. I want God to bless my word. I want God to put his hand upon me. I want God to provide, help me to provide for my wife and my little baby girl. I want God to help me to provide. And I know that if I'll, if I'll keep things right with me and God, and I'll be a faithful tithe payer and an offering giver, I know that God is going to look out for me. And I know that God's going to bless the work of my hands. And I'm going to find favor on my job. I'm going to find favor beyond belief. I've heard some of my managers in the past say, I'm a huge fan of Nate Camry. And I'm, I'm not like all that. But that statement that was made by some managers let me know I got the favor of God upon my life. I've had people at my job say, keep smiling. You bring a joy to this, this job. Favor. Favor. Everybody will say, you know what? I'd love to work with Brother Noah Ha, or Noah Ha, they might call you. I love to work with Nathan Ha. I love, I love it when he's here because I just feel that peace. That's a favor of God that God is putting upon our lives as we're faithful and, and doing what we're supposed to be doing. The, another objective of tithing is that the, the government and the extension of the kingdom of God might come into this earth. This should and would cover what we call today health, education, welfare, worship, missions, justice, state, all with the Christian emphasis. What I would love to see happen one day is there be able to come a Christian school from this church. I would love to send my, my daughter and maybe one day my kids uh, to a Christian school close to home that I could that I could trust them with my kids and they could give a quality education. I love to be able to send my daughter one day to a Christian college where she could have a, a Bible emphasis and still learn some relevant stuff in this world and be a productive member of society. But uh, first of all, we've got to recognize that when we're faithful in our giving, when we're faithful in our tithe, in our offering, amen, the church isn't able to, to do certain things in this world that impacts this generation. To impact generations. And in greater detail, the, the subject of tithe in Scripture, the principle of the first fruits is important in Scripture because the first represents the totality. And what the first is and does has implications for everything. 
The first fruits. What happens with the first fruits is implications to everything else down the line. Everything else down the line. The first fruits. For example, Adam, the first man in the garden, by his sin, affected us all. The word of God teaches us that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. For Romans 6, 11 and 16 says, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. If, if I can understand it, we and I, you and I can understand that, if I'll give the first fruits of my income to him, the, the tithing, the 10%, I'll say, God, this is the first fruits. I'm going to give it to you. The Bible says in the book of Romans that God's going to bless the rest of it. God's going to look at the 90% you got left. I'm going to bless that. And I'm going to give you the ability to use a 90% more than you could do with the 100%. I'm going to bless the whole lump. If the first root be holy, the whole lump, the lump is holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. In other words, there's going to be things that shoot out from your life that God's going to bless. Because first of all, you made an attempt and you said, I'm going to be in covenant relationship with God. And I'm going to give my tithe from the very top from the growth before the government takes their cut I'm going to say God you get the first fruits I'm not going to pay tithe on the net but on the growth it's the first fruits and God's going to bless the rest and God has blessed the rest in my life and God has been good to me and God will be good to you and God will provide for his people for his people but if we forsake the principle of first fruits, then we forsake the Lord. We want the whole lump of our finances to be blessed by God. God's requirement of the tithe is simply the declaration. It's simply this tonight. If I could simplify it, the, uh, the subject of tithe, the God's requirement of it is simply the declaration that he's Lord. And he's king over his covenant people. That's simply what it is. When you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pay my tithe, I'm going to give my offering. What you're doing when you walk to this plate, say, God, you're Lord. You're, you're Lord. You're in control. God, I'm recognizing again tonight, God, as I give my tithe and my offering that you're Lord of everything. You're in control. I don't have to figure out everything, uh, but I just got to be faithful in what I know to do. And God is going to provide. God is going to bless. God's going to keep me. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Sister Gina, if you'd get on the screen. Matthew chapter 7 and 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. He that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And let me ask this question tonight. Can you deny the law of God and still do the will of the Father? Can you deny the law of God and still do the will of the Father? And if you're not doing the will of the Father, the will of God, then I, I want to have, ask another question. Whose will then are you doing? If it's not God's will, then whose will is it in your life? I'm going to tell you what I'm teaching tonight. 
I'm trying to take my time and go methodically through it. But this thing, what I'm talking about tonight, is not just for church people. This is for everybody. I've told it before. I have a, my brother can tell you it's true. Uh, I have an uncle who's an attorney in Arizona. And he, he's not living for God by any stretch of the imagination. He'll tell you. You can see it. He's not living for God. He's, he's not living for the Lord. I'll just leave it at that. And he says, you know what? He calls us primo, right? You know what, primo? I don't, I'm not going to church. I'm not, I'm not living for God. But I paid my time. Now I'm thinking, man, this guy is just chugging beers left and right. And he's, he's partying and doing everything else he wants to do. And he pays his time. And he says, you know what, primo? When I pay my tithe, God blesses me every time. He says, you know what? I, and, and if I want to go above and beyond, I'll give an offering to the church. And I'll get a big case settled the next week. Invariably, every single time, God will bless me when I'm faithful. You say, well, I, I'm going to stop going to church and I don't need to pay my tithe no more. I, I'm just going to abide by a different set of laws. God blesses those that live in covenant relationship with him. You can't deny his law and still do his will. But some find it holier to freely give to themselves. Some find it holier to give freely to themselves and stingily to the Lord. If we're not careful, we'll all fall into this trap. We'll want to be stingy with the Lord and liberal in giving to ourselves. But Matthew... Chapter 5 and 20. As Jesus rebukes the scribes and Pharisees, he says, you must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. But what does it mean to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? You must take the law seriously and not evasively. Love the, love the lawgiver. Don't try to be evasive in your approach to the word of God. How can I get around this? And how can I get around that? And what excuses can I make? Uh, what, what excuses and what things can I come up with in my mind to, to justify my, my not obeying the law of God? That was what the scribes and Pharisees did. They, they didn't take the law very seriously. And they didn't have a love for the lawgiver. And I'm concluding with this tonight. The nature of God. It is constructive. It is creative. It's not destructive. All throughout scripture, God is creating. God is building up. God's not destroying. He does not take the position that the thrust of his existence and his activity should be to destroy evil. He takes the position that he should develop his kingdom, which in turn will grow and supplant evil. This plan of God reduces the kingdom of Satan to impotence. How many has ever thought, as you read the Bible, if the devil is so bad, why doesn't God just kill him? Why doesn't God just end it right now? I don't want to deal with temptation. It, why doesn't God just kill the devil? Doesn't that make perfect sense? Why do we have to have this devil, the Satan, and God in this battle be struggling? Why can't God just say, you know what? Enough with the devil. Enough with Satan. Let's just... That's just end him once and for all. Uh, smithereens that just obliterate him. Dissolve him. Why doesn't God do that? Why doesn't God just 
Just say, you know what? Uh, all the, the one-third of the angels that left heaven and the highest state in heaven and Satan, Lucifer, I'm just going to eliminate them and destroy them once and for all. I'm going to obliterate them. I'm going to dissolve them. If God existed to destroy evil, then God's existence would depend upon the continuing existence of Satan and evil. God does not exist, amen, to destroy uh, Satan and to uh, completely eliminate him. But God's efforts uh, are directed. God is wholly God-centered. God's law is God's mean for establishing his name upon the earth, which in turn will supplant Satan. Christians are required to think God's thoughts after him. We are to build the kingdom of God on earth by living in terms of the word of God. The plan of God is to render the devil completely powerless, completely impotent, with no authority, with no power, but oftentimes we give it to him by living in in obedience to the laws of, of man, by living in obedience to the laws of the devil. But if we will come and we will recognize that I'm going to live in accordance to the word of God, amen, what you are doing is you are rendering the devil powerless in your life. He's powerless in your life because I am submitting myself under the mighty hand of God. That's why the Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. But first it's submitting yourself to God. God, you're Lord of everything. I'm submitting my finances to you. I'm submitting my relationships to you. I'm submitting my time to you. I'm submitting my future, my goals, my dreams, my ambitions. I'm surrendering everything to you. And after I do that, I have power over the devil and he becomes powerless in conclusion tonight economics that beautiful subject we learned in college high school whatever it was economics how many ever heard that term economics economics never studies in isolation individual and personal economic activities and enterprises Economic studies all economic activity from the standpoint of an overriding world and life view. All economic activities are directed to one particular end. If you study economics, it's looking at the whole scope of existence in this world, how it all works together. And you remember from the the stories in school, the bushels of corn and and so forth, and how everything works together with the the, the crop and the farm and the marketplace and how everything intertwines and, and works together. Economics is looking at how everything comes together. All economic activities are directed to one particular end, toward the purpose of pleasing their God through obedience to the laws within their economic world view. All the economics, they're, they're looking towards uh, uh, obeying the, the laws in that, uh, that school of thought for economics. If you remember from college, and I said a little bit, economics, you're looking at how does this one particular uh, person think about all the laws that are at place in this uh, school of theory of economics. It's looking at how everything comes together. If, you, uh, if you'll do things according to that law uh, of economics, you'll, you'll uh, reach this conclusion. You'll reach a certain conclusion because all of man's economic activity was directed 
in obedience to God's revelations, all his economic activity was geared solely for the purpose of establishing God's name on earth in every area of thought and life. God's law and God's law alone established the means for man's economic endeavors because only God's law can capitalize both man and his world. Only by living in accordance to God's law can your life experience fulfillment in your life personally and in the world around you. Because a brother Paul goes to a PG&E company in San Ramon and he's living in accordance with the word of God. There's branches that come out of his life and people around him say, I like working with him. He's got some, some great thoughts, some great ideas. He's got great to work with. And you begin to bless your job. Because you're living in accordance to the law of God. And so in conclusion, I ask you today, are you willing to live your life in a way that says Jesus is Lord? Jesus is creator. Jesus is a lawgiver. Jesus is the master of my life and he's my friend. Or will you live your life in a way that says man is God? Man is a lawgiver. I want, to, I want to live my life and I want everything in my life to show this world that he's important, that he's God, that he's Lord. I want him to bless me because the time will come. If you've been, if you've been faithful in tithing and offering, you can have dominion with God and you can have power with God. And you can take authority over situations in your life and say, God, I've been living in accordance to your laws. I want you to come through for me. And you will watch God provide time and time again. He'll make a way. He'll make a way. Let's all stand to our feet tonight.